Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Three Crosses podcast. My name is Pastor Buzz Hannon, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us this week for the next in our Rooted series. Uh, This week will be a little bit different in format. Uh, In fact, one of our volunteers, Natalie Dean, who you might remember from our week four Shema podcast, talking about her own ability to love the Lord with her strength when she seemed to have no strength left. Um, She's been working with me on the podcast really since then, uh, trying to help me connect with guests and conceive of good ideas, and she's done a fantastic job at making this podcast better. She challenged me to sit down and share a little bit of my story with you. So for this week, she'll be sitting in the host's chair, and I'll be sitting in the guest's chair. It's a little different to be on that side of the table rather than uh, connecting you with people all around our church, but... Looking back at my life and how the Lord has brought such joy and peace to our family despite some difficult circumstances was a welcome reminder to me that I should just be grateful in everything. So I hope that uh, Natalie's idea is encouraging for you and that you enjoy hearing uh, what the Lord has brought me and my family through and what He can do in your life. Thanks again for tuning in and let's have a listen. Good morning. I'm here sitting with Buzz Hannon, and I wanted to have him come on here and share a little bit about how he came to the church and a little bit about his family background. Well, thanks so much for having me, Natalie. I confess it's a little weird to be on this side of the chair during these podcasts, but I'm grateful that you thought uh, that this would be a helpful conversation, and I pray that the Lord will use it to speak to this idea of joy in our Fruit of the Spirit series. Definitely. I want um, I want others who maybe don't know you and your family very well to be able to hear about maybe some of the struggles you and your family have gone through and hopefully benefit from that. Yeah. So in fact, today on my way to the church to record this, my wife told me that on her Facebook, it hopped up that three years ago today was when we announced that we were moving to California. Wow. I know. It's a blink of an eye and... Um, I can't even I can't even believe it, everything that the Lord has brought us through. So I'm excited to kind of think back through that and see, man, how did the Lord really carry us through and how did he show us joy in what for us were some pretty difficult circumstances? So let's start back to um, where you were living before because you are not a native to California. Where were you born? No, I'm an outsider. So I was born in Kansas City, but I went to college in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's where Tara and I met and... Fast forward quite a bit. Uh, we were married, you know, and we lived there for uh, about 10 years in the early part of our marriage. And in Tara's mind, I think it was um, always a dream to come back to California. This is where she's from. She's from the Bay Area, and her parents had lived here their whole life, and sister and brother were here. And she kind of felt like she wanted to be here, but the Lord had never opened a door for us to move. We were there for, as I said, a decade, and we thought, man, maybe we would be there or forever, but we were happy. So did you ever think in your mind that you would be moving to California? I mean, was that a desire that you had? Not as strong as Tara did, shall we say, but um, her parents were older, and for her it was important to um, be close to them while they still had some good years to to live. And so, um, especially when we started having the kids. And so in Tulsa, I was working for the university that we had attended in residence life. And I was working part-time at a small church there. And I was also in graduate school working on my doctoral degree. And as I chose a graduate program, I chose one here in the Bay Area because I thought that we would move and that I would study. And I applied to, I don't want to lie on the church podcast, hello, but I think (laughs) it was like more than 100 jobs out here. Wow. And I mean, I got, I think, two 
callbacks out of 100. And then I was kind of like, well, I guess the doors <laughs> closed on that one. You know, and so I flew out here a couple times a semester to take my classes. And we were we were pretty content to be in Tulsa. I mean, we had great friends. We had a great church family. Um, a lot of hard times, too. Like I was working for the school, um, but I was part-time faculty, adjunct faculty, and that's not a well-paid position. <laughs> I was working part-time at our church. Um, our church was a really interesting place. It was a church plant that had started in our pastor's living room, and you know, several years down the road, we joined the team, and um, we had kind of merged in with an existing congregation uh, that was really faithful, and they had a building. Uh, but they didn't have as many young people involved, and they didn't have a lot of ministry energy or direction, and they didn't have any pastoral staff. And so we thought, well, man, you guys need some young people like we have, and we need some stability and some faithfulness like you have. Maybe we'll join in together. Uh, but even so, it was like 60 people on a Sunday if we were lucky. So it was a really wow. small church. And um, to be the second staff person at a small church like that, it's not a lot of money in that. Not that we're like after the money, but <laughs> even in Tulsa, which is a cheap place to live, uh, that was that was tough, you know? Yeah. So what happened um, where you guys decided um, that you guys, what was the turning point when you realized that you needed to be moving out to California? I don't know that there was a turning point that said, okay, California is this beacon in the in the night that's shining and you got to come here. Um in fact, I think it was some negative circumstances that started us looking out wow. and around. You know, so there I was working for the for the school and working for the church and working on my PhD. And a, school is hard, you know. And so I remember I was an A student. You know, I would always turn in stuff and get an A. And then when you're working on your final project for your degree. I'd send in my sections to my advisor and he would always send them back. And he's like, this isn't good enough. And wow. I was like, you gave me A's for like four years. And now you're <laughs> telling me that this isn't good enough. He's like, yeah, that's kind of how it works. And so, you know, you just feel like you're throwing stuff at this brick wall. And then at the university, um, I don't want to say I was fired because I wasn't like really fired. But one of the people that I was working for decided they didn't want me working for them anymore. And so they transitioned me uh, into a different section of the department. And that was really tough. Because wow. like, man, I've worked here for a long time and you don't want me anymore. So almost like the ego thing. And then the church had let me know in March, my boss sat me down and was like, just the finances aren't there. And we're going to have to let you go if in September things don't turn around. So basically God was shutting doors for you guys and he wasn't really opening things for you to get you to stay. How did that make you feel? I don't know that I blamed God for shutting the doors. You know, I wanted to blame my bosses for mm, <laughs> closing yeah, those doors. I moment. wanted to blame my advisor for closing those doors. And with the benefit of hindsight, I think maybe it's clear to see that God was shutting that down. But despite it all, Natalie, like we were really happy. Like we had no money. Um, a big day for us was to like hang out in the backyard. But when you don't really have to go to work, like you get to do it. So that's yeah. the upside of being underemployed. You know, if we had extra cash, like $4, we would walk to Starbucks and we would enjoy it. We didn't have Cafe Four in those days, you know. <laughs> so we walked to Starbucks and enjoyed it as a family. And we were really, we were really happy. It's all about the simplicity. I feel like the less you have, 
the easier life is. I mean, Luke and I lived in a 400 square foot apartment when we were first married and it was the best thing ever because we had to minimize everything and it was it was laid back and low key. Yeah, and you can focus on what really matters, you know. Right. So for us that was the boys and at this time we had three boys and we could focus on our church family. We loved our small group that we hosted in our house. We still care about those people yeah. a lot. And so my job circumstances were not great. Um but we were really happy. And then we found out that we were having a fourth boy. Yay. And it was like, <laughs> this isn't smart. You know, like, you can't afford three boys. You have no future. You have no plans. Like, you're in a dead-end job slash two of them slash you might fail out of school. Like, I was running out of time. Wow. We certainly were running out of money. Um I'm almost ashamed to talk about it in some ways because, like, we were a, like a Dave Ramsey family. You know, my grandfather set me up a, an IRA when I was 10, you know. Wow. And I was like, who has an IRA at 10? Well, I did, <laughs> right? I had a long-term plan. And I mowed lawns and whatever, and I just saved money, I don't know, like a tightwad for years. And I never – I thought that, like, debt was something that happened to foolish people, you mm-hmm. know. And so then look around, and then you have three kids, one on the way. We had bad medical debt that was going to – collections we had credit card debt and by debt i mean all my credit cards were full wow and i was losing my job and i was like that was that was bad that's hard as the provider of the family you feel such a weight and such a burden to provide and to um want to be able to make your family work and when you're in that situation do you feel like you kind of questioned God at that point or wondered where he was at, like why he was allowing all of this to happen? That's a good question. I'm, I'm trying to think back and put myself in, in young Buzz's shoes. <laughs> um, I don't feel like we really, we really did. Like hmm. the, one of my favorite scriptures that's really become real to me in these last season, you know, three years plus is that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Yes. And I think we really felt that. And mm. it, when we were desperate for him in many ways, like we we experienced the life-giving joy that a relationship with him means. You know, when things were fine, like it was easy to keep your relationship with God kind of at arm's length even, or right. just think of it in your headspace. Like, I know I believe in God, but but you're fine like you're but you're fine so it's easy to drift around in your your natural life and your day-to-day habits and even to do the right things and spend time in prayer but to be really desperate for him that was different you know we look back at that time as a time that we felt really close to god so i don't think i was angry at him i think we felt closer to him so do you feel like during that time you and tara had a closer relationship because you went through those struggles or was that kind of a hardship for you guys? Yeah, there's a couple stories I'm going to tell you. I'm going to start crying because it's still really hard to talk about in some ways, but that's okay. They can't see me. Only you can see me. (laughs) Um, So, you know, as I said, my credit cards were full and our debt was going to collections and um, all this stuff. And um, you still have to buy groceries and diapers and stuff like that. You know, you can, you can go without a lot, but you have to, you have to have some things. And, um, I remember having to buy diapers and we weren't going to get paid on, you know, it wasn't payday. And then the church was in such a state that sometimes maybe I wouldn't even get paid or wouldn't get paid what I was supposed to. Um, which is okay. 
but you need diapers. And so I went yeah. into my kids' room and I took out their piggy bank and I fished out oh. $7 to go buy diapers. And the kids were crying. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> I was go. crying and I was like, I'll pay you back. And I was like, I don't know if I can, but I, you know, and Tara was crying and mm. um, that was like a low point, you know, like you're stealing from your kids because oh. they saved better <laughs> than you did, it feels oh. like. Um, and sometimes I think, like, were we in the right spot? Did we make the right choices? I really feel like we had done. Like, we had done a good job, I think, at prioritizing what mattered. And people say, like, money can't buy happiness. Money isn't everything. Maybe those people have never fished $7 out of their kids' piggy bank, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, they're right because uh, we were close to each other in our marriage. Like, we cared about our boys. We had given our life to serve the Lord in the way we felt like he was calling us to do. And so I wouldn't change that, even if I would never recommend anybody like, yeah. fill out their credit cards and have medical debt. Um, two weeks after that piggy bank fishing incident, we went out to the mailbox, which I hated doing because it was always like bills I couldn't pay. Like nobody sends you like, hey, I hope you're doing right. great. It's like, hey, where's my money? You know, and um, I went down there and there was a there was a card from someone and we opened it up. And it just said in the card, um, I'm sorry, we appreciate what you're doing. And there was $200 in there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Those are honestly the best kinds of stories when you hear people stepping in. Um, I remember when Luke lost his job and we were okay financially, but... I think just emotionally we were going through hardships and somebody had come over and just dropped a huge thing of groceries on our porch and it wasn't needed, it wasn't asked for, but it's just amazing how your community comes together in times of hardship just to say that you're loved and you're appreciated and we're here for you and it's such a blessing. I think that's the best thing about Having a community in Christ is knowing that others are loving you. Yeah. We still don't know who it was. Mm, wow. We've asked a lot of people, was that you? Mm. So I took the $200. I paid my $7 debt to the piggy bank. <laughs> and we bought the necessities. And it really it really felt like, just like you were saying, that like God saw us in our struggle and extended like just enough grace yeah. to get us to the next day. I don't know. Maybe the Lord put it there. I think it might have been our neighbor, who was not really a believer, but mm. she was a great lady, and uh, we miss her a lot. She told me she didn't do it, but maybe she lied to me. I don't know. Whoever it was, it was a great, generous gift, and I don't think we follow God like so that we can get blessings, but like to see the tangible provision that he provided our yeah. family in that time. It was unbelievable, and it kind of felt like you're in a really tough time, but you're going to be okay. I had no idea how we were going to be okay. Mm. Like I thought, like we're going to have to like move in with my parents or be unemployed or scrape the bottom of the barrel or, or I don't know. It didn't seem like there was any end in sight. And so like this $200 was going to be this bridge to what was next, but I was still losing my job and I was still failing out of school and I was still trying to raise four boys that you have no idea how to do it. And Tara has like physical challenges. So it was, I can't like send her back to work necessarily. And yeah, it's stressful. 
I saw, I'm like feeling the stress come back on me, even though I know how the story ends like it was, <laughs> it was tough, but we really felt close to God. I don't know how to describe that, that despite the difficult circumstances, like the peace of God, uh, Philippians tells us that the peace of God surpasses or transcends our understanding. And like those words on a page, they really only make sense when you're in a situation where you have really no right at all to feel peace and the Lord gives it to you. Definitely. Definitely. That's uh, that's such a powerful and amazing story. And I think people going through hardships, I feel, have a tendency to want to blame God or question God. Or even in your marriage, like you start, start to think, see things fall apart because financially it's a strain on your end. You know, I think a wife can easily blame her husband. Like, why aren't you doing more? And what a testimony to your marriage that Tara was there by your side the whole entire time supporting you and loving you through that and you were working it out together and god totally blessed that yeah yeah i think if she had been angry or divisive like that would man i just started to think what yeah. the outcome could have been but yeah we were in it together um it was about that same time that uh i got a an email i like to open email not my <laughs> not my bills it was fine <laughs> from a friend out here in california and she attended a church called Three Crosses, and she uh, let us know that this guy, Danny Strange, was looking for a staff person to help work in their young adults and college ministry area, and would I be interested? And I was like, yes, I think I would be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything better to do. And uh, Three Crosses is down the street from where Tara grew up, you know, 20 miles away, and we'd been praying for this uh, for a decade, you know, wow. and like in our in my heart. I think since it wasn't really my dream anyway, it was easy to have kind of shut that off. But for Tara, she never really had given up hope that like being home in a sense would, would happen. And so to get this email, it really felt like another like sign from God, almost like here, here's your opportunity. Here's your way out. And you know, when you're looking for work, like you can never put your eggs in one basket and like you just experience so much rejection. Like you just have to almost decide like, well, I can't get my hopes up. I couldn't deal with another rejection. But uh, from March, April, May, you know, we were emailing back and forth. We had a few like Skype interviews because being in Tulsa, you know, you can't like just hop over for a visit. And the best part about that, though, Natalie, was each night Tara and I would go out in front of our house to our cul-de-sac and walk up and down and pray. Mm -hmm. And um, we miss that a lot like that time together like desperately seeking the lord like really needing him to move on our behalf yeah and the time that we spent together like i've i don't think i've ever felt closer to god than those times like we needed him and he had to move and so it wasn't necessarily even that we were praying for this job opportunity but just praying for the lord's will for our life and then if he wanted us to have this job like that would be that would be great too you know (laughs) And so those desperate, faith-filled prayers, like we were, we were happy. Like all those prayer walks were amazing. And so then in the latter part of July, the church decided they wanted to fly me out to interview. And so this was, this was great. And then like at that point, I was going to miss a Sunday at my old church. And so then, you know, news kind of would have to get out that maybe the Hannans are looking for something different. The semester was starting at school. And so I was slated to teach uh, a full adjunct slate, three classes. And so I had to kind of let them know, like, oh, man, like I might I might be moving. Like, I know school starts in a week and I'm super sorry, but. See you later. 
I mean, I hoped so anyway, right? And so they flew me out, and I, I spoke at 6.13, back when 6.13 existed. I don't know if my sermon was good or not. It was a lot of pressure, and I had one day to, to make it. That's a big interview right there in front of a lot of people. You're not just talking in front of one person. You're talking so if everybody just up and left. <laughs> they walked out? Yeah, that might not have been so great. Yeah, I don't know if it was good or not. Uh, I don't know. Well, obviously you're here, so something must have. Well, well that's very kind of you to say. And then I interviewed with a college ministry, and we had a great time. And I remember one young lady, Mel, she made me uh, some Rice Krispie treats. Oh. And no, it was spaghetti. It was spaghetti. <laughs> Those are two very different things. They're very things. different, but maybe it was both. I don't know. Um, and it really felt like home. And there was nothing mm. like nothing different than my interviews. It just really felt like this is a place that I could belong, that the Lord could bring us to, and um. that we could be happy raising our family. I connected with the Young Adults Ministry, a SOMA group, and they had been without any like staff support for a year. And they were kind of you know, really, really desiring that intimate connection and that shepherding. So after you talked at 613, how did the interview go? What was what was the result of that? Man, I thought it was I thought it was great. And, you know, coming into Cafe 4, I thought like this is like heaven on earth, you right. know, and our church was so small in Tulsa but so big and vibrant here and it was very different, but we immediately I say we, I was the only one out here, but I immediately felt at home and I couldn't yeah. wait to get home and tell Tara this right. is exciting and we were the only candidate that was in the pipe and um we went back and i was just ready to receive kind of some you know danny to slide some number across right. the table you know and i was gonna um decide and so i had told our church we had our business meeting that monday night and the pastor was like you know buzz is in the final stages of maybe taking this church in california this role out there and i had let my boss at the school know and so he was in the process of trying to find a replacement for me and um uh, and then, uh, so Tara and I went out to dinner. We don't have any money, so we went out to dinner. <laughs> it was like a big deal. And uh, um, I got a call, and I was excited, you know, so I took the call. And Tara um, looked at me, and she thought that somebody had died. And that, like, it was obviously just very apparent from my face that it wasn't good. And she didn't know who right. the phone was or whatever. And so, you know, I. She's like, what's going on? What's going on? You know, like motioning to me. We're trying to get the kids in the yeah. car. And I was like, I didn't get the job, you know? Oh, my god! And then gosh. she just started, like, <laughs> I'm laughing. It was not funny. Just, like, wailing oh, out loud. Like, no. we had, we like, it felt like this job was, like, our, our way out. Like, right. this relief from these circumstances, like, all this debt, all this money, all this, like, dead end. Like, you could be there forever. And it's a great church. It's a great family. Like, and then to be told, like, we don't want you. This is how it felt anyway. This yeah, is not what they said. Right. Like, everybody was incredibly nice to me, and I want to make that very clear. But it felt like they were saying to me, we don't want you. It's yeah. not even that we want someone else. We just don't want you. Ugh. It's not like you lost out to the other person. We'd rather have no one and start over than have you. Thanks for coming out. And I was like, we've been praying for this wow. six months. And yeah, that was tough. And you really have to question God, like, now what? You know, I feel like here I did, I lined up my whole entire life to move out to California and then you shut this door. So now where does that leave us? I wasn't mad at God. I was mad at Danny. 
So I called Danny <laughs> <laughs> the next day. And, you know, you're getting this news and it's so emotional and you're just like, you know, it wasn't Danny that called to give me the news, but I was like, you know, like, maybe could I talk to you about this tomorrow? It just mm-hmm. really feels like this was a left turn and I don't really know how to process it. Right. And they're like, of course, of course. So I called Danny back the next day and um, like, I'm a pretty mild mannered person. I don't get very like worked up. Right. I was yelling at Danny. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> Who yells at somebody on the phone that like doesn't... <laughs> um, in like a nice way, because I felt like what they were saying was that like my particular skill set wasn't suited well to the role because they wanted somebody who could be in a more like management role or more distant mm. or more whatever. And I was like, that's stupid. Like, you don't want that. Like, <laughs> like you I, like I met your people like they want somebody yeah. to like be with them and care for them. And you want like some director behind the desk and like, yeah. you know, and to be fair to them, like that's not really my skill set. And so then Danny was like, thank you for yelling at me. I appreciate that. We think you're right, basically, that we don't want a director. We want to maybe have, instead of one like full-time role, maybe a couple different part-time roles. Okay. And we'd love for you to reapply for one of these part-time roles. But Larry doesn't necessarily want to move somebody across the country and pay them, like, not a living wage for a family of six in the Bay Area. Right. And I was like, well, that makes sense. But also, I don't have any wage. So, like, <laughs> a slave wage would be, like, amazing, you know? I'll take it. And so then there's, we'll pray about it. And could you still pray about it as well? And that always feels like a cop out. Oh, we'll pray about it. You know, sometimes it does to me anyway, or somebody will tell you like, Hey, I'm praying for you. And it's like, Mm, maybe you're not even really, I don't know. But in this, in this case, I really felt like we were praying for each other, you know, and Tara and I had felt so led and so convicted and so just that it was God's plan to come out to California that we mm. decided to move anyway. Wow. And how stupid was that? Like, you don't have any job. You don't have anywhere to live. You're going to move your family that you can't afford in the cheapest housing market in the country to the second most expensive. You know, this just doesn't make any sense at all. But we were convinced that it was the right choice. Hmm. Maybe it was made easier by the fact we didn't have that many attachments left in Tulsa, other than there were people we cared about. I certainly don't want to minimize that, but in terms of career path and everything. Right. And I was like, we'll just mooch off your parents. Like, we'll suck it up, take it on the chin. I'll finish my dissertation work, and we'll figure out what's next. Yeah. Like, we don't know what God has, but we'll we'll go, and we'll mm-hmm. figure it out. You know, it kind of felt, not to, like, put myself in Abraham's shoes, but, like, when Abraham's called, God's like, go to some land that I will show you. And it was like, that's how we felt. Like, go, and I'll show you later. And when you're telling people this, like, they really well-meaningly tell you, like, that's a bad plan, and you should have a job first, or shouldn't you, like, you know, whatever. And we were like, I see that wisdom, but we really feel called. We're going to go. And so I called Danny back a couple of days later, and I let him know. And I was like, hey, just so you know, like, we've continued to pray about it. Just leaving him a voicemail. And uh, um we really feel like God is leading us to move anyway. And we don't have any expectation of a job. We don't have any expectation of employment. I fell in love with your church. We're going to attend and and figure it out. And so we're going to move. We'll be there uh, probably at the end of September. And uh, come to find out that Danny was in a prayer meeting with Larry when I was calling him, leaving him the voicemail, wow. praying about, we want to have Buzz on our team, but we can't afford him. Maybe the Lord will have to work something out. Wow. And so then it was like, oh, if you're going to be here, we'll come come to church, be in charge of our young adults group. 
I feel like I just didn't give that all the fanfare and fireworks that it deserved, <laughs> but I'm just exhausted, you know, like thinking about it and even like recapitulating that run of praying and being desperate and being broke and seeing the Lord provide and that intimacy that we had with God leaning in through prayer and the joy that he instilled in us despite circumstances it felt like he had a good plan for us at the end of the rope and not just a job like I love my job here at the church and hopefully I've been effective and (laughs) I, I don't know I'm really happy but you know the whole point was that we would come and be with Tara's parents as they aged and um have our boys able to know them while they while they still could and we didn't know but it was just a little over one year later that Tara's dad passed away we didn't expect that um you know he was he was older but there's some things about his death that was unexpected like he was here one day gone the next and i think like what if we hadn't listened to god or what if we relied in our own wisdom and said you know what we're not going to move until we can afford it or we're not going to move until we have employment or we're not going to go until it seems smarter and we would have missed that time with him so forget my job forget my career forget our financial picture like those relationships, they matter. And we're so grateful that we've had that time with Tara's dad. You know, for a, for a while, we mooched off Tara's parents, and now we don't have to mooch anymore. <laughs> but we are still there with Tara's mom. And I have to admit, sometimes that's hard to feel like we want a different circumstance. We want it like our own space and our own life and our own, you know, I'm like a 35-year-old father of six. And like, I don't, have a a place that's mine. I'd like to have a place that's mine. And thinking about how the Lord led us through all these valleys and troughs, it gives me encouragement to stay faithful to what he's called me to do. You know, Tara's mom is a great lady. Like I don't have any problem with her at all, at all, but it just feels like we're still waiting, you know? And if Tara and I can't find joy in the midst of circumstances we wish were different, I don't think that's real true joy. You know, if you're only satisfied in God when things are going your way and the way you think that they're going or should be going. Like that's not true joy, I don't think. But joy in the midst of or joy despite circumstances or joy that transcends understanding. I think the Lord can offer that. You know, I've experienced that. And as my life crowds in, you know, and then even like last week, then we got on top of it all in a car accident. And now it's like, yes. um, it just feels like, the circumstances will never stop. And so it's really incumbent on us to find that joy. And so we've started prayer walking again mm, in our neighborhood. That's neat. And we don't have time for that. <laughs> and yeah. I'd rather go to bed and I've got work to do. And okay. I, you know, and, but how dumb is that to say like that? But the happiest time of my life was prayer walking desperate for God. And now we have to add a little bit of that desperation. And I feel too lazy to do that. Why? How didn't I? How didn't I learn anything, Natalie? Yeah, it's hard. I think it's hard. I, I think you get comfortable in your walk with God in certain stages, and I don't know if that's how you feel or not. If you feel like you're in a place where you're kind of comfortable, you're not as desperate for God as you were before. But um, you guys have gone through a lot, and it's really amazing to see how God has blessed you guys and honored you in the decisions that you have made and. Um, to see the beauty of finding joy in the midst of hardship. I think so many people can can gain a lot from that. So if someone's listening right now and they're going through struggles financially or just things with their family, um, what advice would you give to them in regards to finding 
God's joy in the midst of their challenging circumstances? Man, that's a great question, Natalie. I, I think finding God's joy is such a individualized deal um, that there's not like a, a formula. In other words, like do A, B, and C, and then yeah. God's joy dumps out of heaven onto your head. Um, but if I could give some sort of advice, you know, firstly, I would say that you have to really want to pursue God. Like you can't seek God's joy as one of a number of things. Like I think the Lord tells us in the gospels, he says, if you seek me first, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these other things will be added unto you. And sometimes I make, I think in my own life, I've seen myself giving almost lip service to the idea of seeking him first, Mm -hmm. but you have to really seek and look and put skin in the game and devote yourself to finding him. And one of my favorite passages is in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all Mm, of your heart. I love that verse. And so I don't really know how to tell a listener, like change your heart and like really, really want it. You know, some of us do, um, but some of us need to seek first. Mm. Don't seek yourself first and pretend like you're seeking God, like, but seek the Lord. I think he wants to be found. Secondly, I would encourage listeners to keep their priorities straight, to honor God, honor your family, spend time with your kids, uh, do the right things, continue to be generous as you can be generous. Um, The circumstances often will follow. I have many friends for whom circumstances didn't follow or will never follow. Like I think of my friend Florine in Romania and um, he's one of my best friends in the world and they live like paycheck to paycheck at a standard of living that's like so far beneath American standards that in many ways it's shocking. And they're so happy. Hmm. Like his like yearly budget is like a thousand euros. Wow. And like it's possible the Lord would like increase that tenfold. Absolutely, it's possible. But I think it's realistic to think Florine has to learn how to live on a thousand euros a year for the entire rest of his life. And so it's not about like seek God for joy and then magically your financial situation changes. (laughs) Like you have to really be content wherever you are. You know, Paul tells us in Philippians, I have learned the secret of being content, whether it's with many or with much or with little or when I'm hungry or when I'm full, like Mm. in all circumstances, I've learned the secret of what it means to be content. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so Paul is saying, like, God will even give you the ability to be satisfied in him despite your material needs or despite your career or despite your family situation. Sometimes that sounds almost too good to be true or a fairy tale, but man, I've experienced it. Hmm. Like being happy with my kids, giving me a hug as I stole their money out of their piggy bank. Like I wouldn't trade that for Hmm. anything, regardless of where I ended up to be later. And then the third thing I would suggest is like, don't seek God's joy alone. Um, Find it with other people. Hmm. Like it's so hard, I think, to be, I think it's hard to follow Jesus anyway, and it's impossible to do it alone. And if you're trying to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and provide this joy for yourself, I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. You know, I look back in Tulsa and we had an amazing small group. We had a great church. I had a boss that even though he had to lay me off, he supported me. He's still my friend to this day. Uh, we missed them terribly. We had people around us that really cared for us. We had parents on both sides that were in our corner, even if they probably were terrified. And even if my mom thinks that it was a horrible idea to move to California, she might not even have been wrong, but she was there for me, yeah. you know? And 
don't do it alone. Like seek、mm. people who are in your corner who have the same priorities that you do, and see how you can cultivate that joy together. So maybe that's your spouse, maybe that's your kids, maybe that's a good friend, maybe that's not in your life, and you need to step into a home community here at Three Crosses or find it at one of our community groups, like a Kaleo or like a Soma, or just be found. You know,、mm. I think it's so hard to be lonely. Like that can steal your joy as well. So that's not a formula, I don't think either. But really want it, put your skin in the game, be content. And don't do it alone. I think those things can can help somebody maybe find some more joy in their life. Definitely. Oh, I forgot my favorite thing. Do something you really love to do.、Hmm. Like so often, I think we get caught up in doing what we quote should do. We forget to do what we love. And、yeah. so, if you love to go outside, like take a walk, go around Lake Chabot. If you love to read, read. If you like to play video、hmm. games, like play a video game. You know, <laughs> do something you really love that fills you back up. Yeah. You know, Stephen Covey called that sharpening the saw, and sometimes we tell ourselves, "Oh, we're sharpening our saw," and really, you're wasting your time. Like that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're so stressed and you're in the job hunt and your financial situation is awful, like when's the last time you did something that really brought you just joy and happiness, even、mm. for 20 minutes? I think that's so important. That's great advice. Yes, we all should take that advice and do it today. Let's go do it right now. Let's go fly a kite. <laughs> And then we'll be done. I want to take the time to thank you, Buzz, for coming on the show and sharing your heart. And、um, there was a lot that I learned today about your story and what you went through, and it's so powerful. It was so encouraging and、um, just a great testimony of how we should all be walking,、uh, whether we're going through trials or not. That we just need to be dependent upon the Lord and to truly find joy and. Um, how that grows our relationship in Him. So, thank you again, Buzz. Yeah, of course, Natalie. I appreciate your kind words. If you really mean what you say, I've got a tip jar right here, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, it'd be generous. <laughs> So grateful that Natalie challenged me to think outside the box and sit down and share my story.、Um, it was a privilege to think back through it and to reflect on what the Lord has done. He's never let me down, not really. Even in the tough times, we really felt close to Him. And so I want to encourage you: if you're feeling far from God, or if you're feeling in the midst of a tough time, or if you feel like maybe there's not hope here, or maybe I've lost my joy, or I've lost my peace, I want to encourage you to not suffer that in silence. Reach out. One way to do that would be to connect with us here at the podcast. Just email podcast at threecrosses dot org with a prayer request or a need or a concern, and we would love to help you and love to pray for you. I know the same God that has sustained my family through our tough times can sustain you as well. You might also want to visit us on a Sunday or connect in one of our care ministries or join one of our communities all around the church. Don't suffer alone. Reach out. God wants to help you. I hope you were encouraged a little bit today by my testimony, and God bless you. We'll see you soon.